You're listening to Payments Innovation, a podcast dedicated to helping business leaders navigate today's global digital economy. Looking to learn about the latest innovations within fintech and payments? You've come to the right place. Let's get into the show. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Payments Innovation Podcast. This is your host, Alex Barr from Currency Cloud. And today I'm joined by the CEO of Lightyear. Hello, Martin. How are you? Hey, Alex. I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Very well, thank you. Happy belated New Year. Where are you, where are you joining us from? I'm joining right now in Estonia. So we have two offices, one in Tallinn and one in London. So I flew over to see my family in Estonia right now. And what's the temperature? Yesterday was minus 16. Today is a little bit better. Jesus. Okay. I, I, for, for once, I'll actually pick the United Kingdom, which doesn't, <laughs> doesn't happen often. Um, great to have you on with us today. Um, for our listeners, Martin... Please, we'd love to know a little bit about you, and we'd love to know a little bit about Lightyear. Awesome. Like I said, like I said, my name is Martin. Um, I'm lifelong product builder. I've been building product in all my life in various different organizations and written different concepts. And uh, most recently, uh, I spent uh, five years in TransferWise. Now, Wise building product, but also building in operations and uh, and people teams, or like everything that needs to be done to actually build this company up in a way. But yeah, after after Wise, me and my uh, partner Mikko, we tried to figure out like what is that, uh, what's wrong with the investment world effectively? Like why the European investment world is so hard to access? Why it's so expensive? It seems to be there's a lot of shady stuff going on, and it we kind of resembled quite a bit what Wise had at the beginnings when. When you wanted to send money from one country to another, it was like incredibly slow. You had baked in like 7% spread, um, hidden fees everywhere. It's not convenient. It's, it wasn't a good experience. And it kind of feels that technology should solve that. Like we are moving bits around the world. How hard can it be? And it seems that for why it took more than 10 years to get to the place where they are right now, but like technology really helped that. So this is something what we're doing right now in in a light year. Uh, we are taking the uh, European investment struggles and translating them into the kind of the modern age uh, solution. So figure out how to make it really low cost, how to make it really convenient, how to provide access to everybody in Europe. Because it kind of seems that it seems to be a lot of players in the market. But the reality is that if you start like looking into that, there are only like a couple of players what work in some countries. Uh, mm. Most people are still using their bank where they pay like 10 pounds or 10 euros per trade and the monthly custody fees and uh, like ridiculous FX fees and so on. So it doesn't really work today. So Lightyear came out of, obviously out of your journey with Wise and I hope you follow a very similar trajectory, of course, as I'm sure you do too. So how, how long has Lightyear, when did it first start as your, was as an idea? When did it, when did it become... When did it become something really serious? So I just, you know, like a year ago, roughly, like there was like a strong idea. Like we, yeah. uh, me and Mitchell met up in a cafe at one day and started like figuring, like doesn't really make sense to invest in Europe properly. Uh, like it doesn't like benefit for the people who don't have much money, uh, the people who have less understanding of the financial markets and whatnot. Mm. And pretty quickly, we got into the kind of like drawing on a whiteboard and tried to figure out like, how, what does it take actually to get it better? So if you look like at the beginning, we just like laid out the plan and saw that there's even like a couple of like simpler innovations, like getting a better access to the markets, mm-hmm. like we can do a drastic change in the cost and whatnot. And really quickly, we got into the place where we start talking about talking this idea with David Henrikus, who is the founder of uh, 
on the transferways and uh, and one thing led to another and we raised our first pre-seed round uh, at the beginning of the year to make sure that we can start building it like build the first mvp and getting to the market and whatnot and over the year um, we got all the regulatory reviews we built a technical solution so we can operate in various different markets uh, we got hired 19 people in operational and compliance roles and technical roles um, launched another round currently um, uh, it's a it's a market where you need a lot of money do a lot of money to actually go in and build the product scaling to the, all the different countries in europe so we we figured that it makes sense to have this money on, on the table right now so we can scale as fast as possible because the more and more we looked into that you can see that the problem is bigger than you expect um yeah definitely like it it seems that it seems that like in your country like in every country the problem in partially is solved but like you start looking at a european wide nothing really works like in the us you have some infrastructure but in europe you're getting into the place where Every country have their own exchange. Germany yeah. has to, every city has the exchange. Uh, the FX doesn't really move well between the countries today. Uh, you don't um, you don't have a kind of sleek UX and so on. Uh, people still have like a trust questions, like how do you invest, where to invest and so on. So mm. like the more we looked into it, it made more sense to actually accelerate our journey quite a bit uh, in this year. So end of the year, uh, we launched in September um, mm. in a UK market launched our product offering around 1500 uh, us stocks everything is fractional there's no cost of trading we have everybody who comes in gets the multi-currency account uh what's incredibly important and like thanks to currency cloud working together here because in the investment world in europe people kind of forget that we have multiple currencies mm-hmm. and if you want to operate in various different countries you need to have a local solution so what we saw the big problem is that people are taking the us solution and then kind of transforming that or into the um, product what kind of works in in your country but the problem with that is that you're kind of second class citizen you like i have a euro like i want to exchange my euro i don't i want to do that in a reasonable way so yeah. why should i for example every trade while i'm doing why should i change it to dollars and every time i sell it sure. go back to the euros because it's incredibly expensive so can i if i have euros then i can put some money into dollars and trade back and forth there Mm. or some money in Norwegian krona and like uh, use that. So I think this kind of the multi-currency view has to work in Europe uh, because this creates this kind of local experience. And this also allows you to stitch together all the partners and whatnot. It was, was that when you and Mikael were sitting in the, I'm, I'm imagining you in the coffee shop with uh, with Mikael here, was that your biggest problem that you thought that needed solving? I suppose uh, it must have been one of the top ones considering your background and why's, or was it more of a barrier to entry rather, or I suppose it's interlinked? I think it's um, like the biggest problem is still like people are in Europe are not investing. Yeah. So like I like to frame it in a way that um, people are missing out uh, economic growth and they're not missing out because their value or like their assets are not growing with the economy. So we have this currents printing lots of money and whatnot and inflation and like cash is like losing value. Like, can you be exposed somehow to the markets? So now there's a question like, how do you get there? Like we see that there are solutions like, Banks have solutions, big brokers have solutions sure. to get these markets. So like, how do we get these solutions to hands of like a normal human who yeah. doesn't have like a $10 billion assets under management? Like, how do we get the, that? To put it like, in the mainstream, yeah. Exactly, like, how do you get there? So to get there, Europe is such a fragmented place that you need to have something that's able to scale with the Europe because mm. in the investment world, the more kind of volume or assets you have, everything gets cheaper. 
So you have the kind of exposure of the Europe and uh, and you get like all the volume stuff from, from in there. But to build that, you need to have a technical solution where you can have multiple different currencies, you can have multiple different partners, multiple like verification solutions, multiple licenses, and so on yeah. and so on. So there's like a lot of different kind of possible pieces that come together. And everything in the center goes around which currency, which ledger these people yeah. have, how do you tie it together? So yeah, we're definitely biased coming from uh, a transferized background, uh, been building these solutions there for a while, but it's, it's a logical place to start building systems. Yeah, absolutely. And um, look, you've obviously achieved, well, you can tell from what we've been speaking at so much in the last 12, 16 months or, 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 or what, nearly 18 months, I suppose. I'd love to, and our listeners, I'm sure would like to know a little bit more about your, the learnings or the main learnings that you've, that you've, you've got over the, over, over that period from trying to bring a new business from its inception to, to market. What's the, what's the key, key learnings and, and challenges that you've found? Yeah, plenty of these. Um, <laughs> I think it's a um, it's a similar to kind of the various different financial products you can build. Um, you mm-hmm. have uh, you have a, a regulatory component in it, means that you have to have all the licenses, regulatory oversights in various different countries, whatnot. So all that world, of course, moves incredibly slowly. So that's something like it's a uh, and you all kind of expect that you. You hire 20 people, build a product, build a business case, put everything on hold and try to apply for a license. So, yeah. And like then you wait for a year or two to get the license and then go on because you don't want to change anything. So it doesn't, um, it's, uh, it's a really rigid system, uh, but, it's, but it does its job. And like job there is to uh, make sure that the customers don't get hurt. So in that sense, like uh, it works, it takes... Uh, like it's useful system in the world, but it's definitely like not the startup we work. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. The second thing is like you, everything that you build, um, like in Europe, you don't have this good kind of infrastructure base. In the US, you have a lot of kind of uh, payment method solutions, FX solutions, you have uh, investment APIs and whatnot. And, and I think there's this kind of mentality that kind of Stripe has been kind of building out is that you make an API call and everything happens. Still not here in Europe. So a lot of things have to come, like you need to build them on yourself and you need to connect these things into big systems. What doesn't really expect you to send the API call. It's more about the process and you know, teams mm-hmm. of people and all that stuff around it. So everything takes time. So I think like, it's not so much of learnings, but it's more about the stuff, but it's like, yeah, I understand. Like we're again here where you need to work with like a massive organization, so structures, and you need yeah. to pull this kind of agile fintech type solution in the middle of them. What moves like way faster, lighters faster, light, yeah. light, on the light good, speed. Good, uh, good, good pun. Very good. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that's, that's the thing what has to happen. Like uh, Europe has to come into the place where this uh, kind of financial markets are coming together and it's easy to operate between each other and whatnot because the market is huge and like this missed yeah. opportunity if it's not going to happen. Yeah, I think what I've gleaned from that is like the, the, the regulator, obviously a, a very necessary piece as well as this infrastructure piece, but lots of fintechs, wealth techs are building innovative solutions in a very agile way and it's still reliant on a base infrastructure and a base regulator that's not moving at the same pace. And that I suppose that's probably the key challenge. It's really hard to figure out like what is that? What's the right thing to do here? And I think FCA has. Uh, I really like the kind of the, the mindset what FCA has. It says that like we're here to regulate, but we're also 
uh, here to um, make sure that there's a competition on the market. Yeah, exactly. and like that ma that makes a lot of sense for me because if uh, if you if you're really strict, then you have no competition on the market. Mm -hmm. Like nothing is like what do you regulate there? If you are like super loose, then it's it might be a kind of uh, the situation where customers get hurt. So like, how do you get, find this kind of balance there? And I think it's pretty cool how they are kind of they have these two goals goals there. Yeah, I also think that. Um... Again, not to speak for, for the FCA, but I think they take a little bit of, they entertain conversation through market participants. So if someone's going to build something that's relatively new, they're actually open to discussion about learning about it rather than having a very strict regulatory stance, right? Yeah. But like, I think in many ways today, Europe is in such a tired state that like we don't even really need financial innovation here. Like if it's like like innovation is is something where like you have often this kind of unproven concepts in many ways and how do you build on top of them and like what could be the kind of product on top of that. If you're coming into the investment world, then the investment world effectively it works today. Like people can invest. People can invest like can invest in reasonable kind of cost base, reasonable access. If they are a little bit more knowledgeable, what's going on in the market? If they have a little bit more money, all that stuff kind of is possible to make it work. Yeah. But the problem is that it's not available for for everybody. It's incredibly complicated. Often you have to know the system. You need to do some hacks. You need to like pull together the data in various different sources. You really need to want to do that. And it shouldn't be like that. It should be super simple. So now there's more of the question that how do you take this kind of slow systems while it's able to offer good pricing or able to operate with these kind of uh, regimes you're, you want to do and like how do you bring that into the into your system into the modern world yeah yeah i think then to, to touch on to it next the, the 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 neo broker the wealth tech space has gained tons of momentum this well, last year in 2022 2021 sorry god it is the new year <laughs> um and what what do, what do you see that pace continuing then? As you know, we're talking about Europe and and, and its state. Do you think the pace of of, of neo brokers and wealth tech and this this new uh, new new experience for customers in investing will continue? Do you think that will grow exponentially? I assume yes. <laughs> like, probably. Like, I don't know what's the what the future will come in. Like, I'm I'm looking to dangle from. Um, from the same kind of stance where we were in a year ago, and I yeah. start looking into that. Does this market make sense? Like, does it make sense to invest? It's like, yes, it makes sense. And like in my mind, like long-term investing, people are doing dollar-cost averaging, doing smart decisions how to protect their future. Makes sense. Okay. So, are people doing it today? Like, yes, they're doing it. Like, mm. a lot of people have investment accounts. Does it work today? Like. Not really, or like it works, but like it's incredibly expensive. You're paying for things what you shouldn't pay, mm. like some advisory fees and like weird uh, baked in spreads and like all this stuff. Like, doesn't really work. Could you do that on your own? Maybe, like, really, maybe. Uh, because again, if you have more money, then you have access to the better systems, uh, better markets, and whatnot. And you like, you need to know better at the market, it means that it, it's kind of possible there. So Taking all these kind of assumptions, then this problem needs to be solved. And this market is incredibly huge. Like, are the new brokers sold that or somebody else? I think in the end, like the, the line between new broker and like the traditional broker will disappear. And like these are the online solutions where it just makes sense for people to make their investment decisions, decisions yeah. there. 
because today we can see that investing is incredibly profitable from uh, kind of traditional business point of view. Yeah. So we can we can see the uh, businesses where effectively like half of the revenue is profit and like yeah. it's pretty ridiculous. Like uh, <laughs> that's what something what fintechs are usually doing, like really good, it's like challenging that kind of status quo and like bringing these costs and everything down. So. I think that's going to happen, but it's going to take 10 years to get there. It's going to yeah. be like, because you, you can build like simpler gambling related solutions where you go with the waves and the meme stocks and whatnot in a way. But if you want to have a good, strong foundation where people trust with your money, then yeah. you, you, you don't just want to ride the waves. It's more about like, can you build a kind of a stable infrastructure, stable product that people can invest tens of years of their life and they yeah. trust their investments there. So that's going to happen. Like if we're going to do it or somebody else is going to do it, that's going to happen. Um, what's going to happen next year? I don't know. Uh, yeah. We're going to continue building our product. Uh, so everybody can bring their assets here and actually reap the benefits of good access, prices, education, everything. Amazing. Yeah. I, I, on that note, then I'd, I'd love to know more about your, uh, you know, your product differentiators and where you, where you sit in this market. How's, how's Lightyear differentiating from, from the other incumbents, both from a, from a, from a tech-led point of view and from the traditional? Yeah, so we are, we're just getting started. We're live in like three months right now. So it yeah. means that like our product is um, available only right now in one market. So we're operating in the UK market and everybody who joins us gets multi-currency account. And the multi-currency account in a, in a cool way, not just a kind of virtual account, but like you actually get them European Ivan or um, sort code in the UK or SWIFT mm. code in the, uh, in the US dollars. So you can use whatever money you have, send that in. You can convert that for small amounts. We don't charge anything on a conversion as well. On uh, a bigger amount, like up, uh, above 3K, we can start charging a tiny spread there. If you are going into dollars and start buying uh, US stocks, then we have 1,500 US stocks. Uh, everything, like we don't charge commission on trading fees. Uh, everything is fractional. And uh, like you can start like... Uh, taking these kind of simpler strategies where uh, like what the kind of investment book says that I want to invest every month regularly 300 euros or 300 pounds uh, and diversify and do dollar cost averaging and all this stuff kind of is a kind of infrastructure that makes sense for you. So after the launch, we start bringing in also kind of educational pieces. So there's something that we, it's like really close to our heart is that the big problem, uh, it's like there's two big problems. Like one problem is like, does, can people actually invest? Like, can you in that particular country take your money and invest in somewhere? And is it good? Like, do you have access to these markets? Do you have access to these instruments? Does it make sense on the fees-wise? Uh, do you have all these um, kind of features? What do you want? Like, do you have limit orders? Like, all that stuff. Uh, do you have fractionals? And the second part is like, okay, like, you have all that. Like, can you invest? Like, uh, can you invest uh, in, in a matter that you know where to invest? Like, do I, can I make a smart decision? Yeah. And so on. So some people know pretty well how the market works and they have their own strategy. Some people know less. Uh, the people who know well, they want, they're usually like pulling together a lot of data in various different places and like they have their own view how to do that. We want to solve that. We want to get into the position where like we can provide this data, like you don't need to pull it together and everywhere. If you are a person who doesn't know how to get started, then we can build you something that kind of teaches you a little bit like this similar concept, like dollar cost averaging, diversification, oh. all these kind of things and the risk-based models. So um, this is like the, like, how do we, like, I, I'm calling it like, how do you make a better investor? 
And uh, I think it's a crucial part. Like the first part, the infrastructure, it's an incredibly complicated thing, uh, but we need to build that. We built the first part in uh, in the UK. We launched it in the UK and now expanded into Europe. Yeah. Uh, the second part is nobody in the world has managed to do it properly. Like, how do I know where to invest well? So we already launched like some analyst ratings from the Wall Street market, so we can like give you an understanding like what these people are thinking. Uh, some general view on the news, like if your Tesla stock is like ten percent down, like you can see that. The, yeah, news view that oh, Elon Lagan tweeted something. So, um, <laughs> like all these kind of things give you a little bit better understanding, like what's going on in the market and why they're going to like all the fundamentals, the price targets, and so on. And so we're like going two angles. Like one is making sure that right now in the UK we're bringing in more instruments, more like the tax solutions and whatnot. Yeah. And at the same time, we are expanding that kind of access part into Europe, so everybody in Europe can have the same solution. And the second part of the problem is that. How do we make you a, like? How do we put you into a situation where you can make a better investment decision? Yeah, I, I think this the, the proliferation of of, of wealth tech neo brokers is 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 like you said creating this this better better investor because you're learning by doing right. Not only is it financial well be for financial awareness, it's it's also financial well being, isn't it? Through through having access to this information, I think it follows exactly the same stream really as as neo banking, right? Becoming yeah. better with your personal finances. So I think like in in many ways, like the world is weird a little bit. You go to the bank usually, and then you have this uh, well suited guy who says like, "Hey, I know how the world works, and like trust me with your money." And like it seems credible, and you give them the money, and then they're gonna charge you like three percent uh, away from whatever you make there. But what they're actually doing there, like what is the information? How do they know the, uh, that they're making the right decisions and whatnot? So what we have seen is that when you're looking into kind of the ETFs and like actively managed funds, then ETFs usually win because mm-hmm. like it's passive investment, but it's more about like you're not paying away your fees there and like means that your like chances of actually getting a better result is a little bit better because your cost base is lower. It's also like a lot of kind of trust questions around that. Like, how do we get people confident enough that they can make these decisions? Mm. So, so far, like people have, are like, I think I see a lot of brokers are taking this approach that, hey, we have this educational corner. So you have this website and app and whatnot, and there's on, on the right side, somewhere in the corner, you have learn. And then you have like all these kind of um, blog posts, like how do you invest? And it doesn't really work because people, it's a hard step to come into investing. And now you need to go to this incredibly complicated jargon world and like understand what's going on there. I think it's, it's, it's like you should kind of approach it in a way that the product is so good that you help people make better decisions. Mm. So if you have like fractionals and you don't have fees on the, uh, on the trading fees, then you can start making like a small, um, small portfolio. Like you take, and take like $50. And you yeah. can diversify your portfolio and like see what these companies are doing and learn about the risk and whatnot. So we are not there yet as well. Like we're building this solution, but but like it would be way better if you learn by doing. Yeah. And uh, and then you have this kind of complementary stuff like what explains a little bit harder concepts to you. But it's more about like how do you get in there and like start investing. Mm. A, a lot of people, a lot of the, I, I always see a lot of the market are taking also a social aspect on it as well, right? Yeah. Inve- investing in groups or syndicates, but also f- following other people that may have, you know, a, a more sophisticated in, investing uh, or portfolios that you can you can essentially copy. Is that is that something that you are you're a proponent of, or is it something you're looking at for Lightyear? Um, yes and no. So we are. 
like I like social view. Uh, social mm. is something like it's people speak to each other and try to figure out what's going on. And like when I see like um, how people are interacting with each other and they have these WhatsApp groups and they try to learn from each other um, and it makes often sense. Like mm. if you uh, if you're in some group of people who are thinking about investing and like have some cool ideas around them, then you get better. Yeah. Like just this interaction gets better. It's like a weird thing. I think if you look into the nineties rap, then like a lot of these rappers are like affected from the same street because they interacted with each other and like they learned and like they got really, really good. So I think it's the same, like with every kind of regime, like you go in and talk and learn and, uh, and you are like the product of your environment. There is this kind of downside way. Uh, downside is that you, when people start to influence others, like how they should invest and like I'm smarter and whatnot, like we try to be careful there. We try to be in yeah. a position where we enable discussion and thinking, sharing what you're doing. And like, we have been like looking into like what people are doing in this WhatsApp groups and what they're actually sharing and how they're using it. And less more, uh, less of like uh, copy my trades, like less yeah. of that, more about like learn about what I'm doing and what, who am I and uh, how I base my decisions. Keeping on, keeping on topic then of, of, um, of, I suppose, product innovation what's if i'm allowed to ask you what's what's next on uh, on light years roadmap what 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 products are we going to see in the future or where is your expansion is it geographic we're doing Buffer. multiple things uh, at the moment so i think uh, um one of the big things uh, like it depends again like in a, a kind of feature and geographical view uh, but like in the uk we are focusing on bringing uh, etfs and isas uh, onto the platform and uh, building all uh, some features like how you can use that better, you have a better understanding of what's going on in your app, all the kind mm. of uh, um, transaction reports and like uh, understanding your performance and all this stuff. So like trying to get, I think it's investment was such a huge kind of feature set, like everybody had their own view, what they want and so on. So we're getting into the position where we should cover most of the instruments, uh, most of the kind of the baseline features to so the core features, what makes sense for investing. And then the second angle that we are focusing on uh, expanding our product into Europe. So opening up in uh, various different European countries, starting mm. localizing that and so on. What countries in Europe are you going to be, are you going to be going after first? 20 plus countries in Europe. So <laughs> that's that. Yeah, I think I think it's in Europe. It's, uh, it's like one market, but it's not. Yeah, um, that's that's my, the root of my question. Like, what you 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 definitely can contend that well, you, in Spain is not the same as France. Is what I'm saying. No, yeah. um, and I think like uh, it would be incredibly foolish to kind of uh, take this approach that it works everywhere. It, mm. it, it really doesn't. There's only a handful of companies I think in the world who have managed to build a product which really works in all the different uh, geographies and like. Even in like in the money world, it's even harder. Um, of course, like people need to trust me, uh, trust you with their money. And like you have early adopters, uh, but like to get into this kind of the mid-range adopter, you have to have a local product effectively. Yeah. So our, our point is relatively simple: that we do all what we can and kind of the technical point of view to open it up, and then start uh, effectively going after the markets where the product need is biggest, where the, the first traction is biggest, and so on. Oh, it's, it's it's super exciting. I'm I'm very excited to see see where you guys uh, where you guys go. On the topic of then 2022, I, I'm outside of Lightyear. What what are you most excited about of uh, in in the space that you're in now, wealth tech and the neo broking space? What do you see? What what are you most excited about? And what do you see as the as the as the biggest trends for this coming year and beyond? I think 
it's um the fintech has been coming for a while but i like i think and hope that year after year we're getting closer to the the fintech not being a startup view it's more about like a normal behavior what people use every single sure. day like yeah, why it, it shouldn't be that you have stable banks and then like start up this stuff going on behind the scenes like I, I i hope that we're getting into the place where it doesn't really matter like you have uh, most of the stuff in these better solutions what are built by the company i think i mentioned already that the kind of the european infrastructure have to get into the place where it's kind of modern way of working is available. So I like to think it's kind of a Stripe API type thing that mm. every fintech solution should have in the backend that you have just API. You call and it works. You have a pricing what's like really simple. You have like per user or whatever. Like you don't need to go into lengthy discussions like, hey, we have this weird model and like how do we integrate? And it's like 100K to integrate with some bank somewhere and what else is like. There's an API, sign the contract. You pay as you go. That's it. Like I think a lot of this stuff is happening. I see a handful of companies in um, investment scene are doing similar things right now. So they will pop up. I'm pretty sure they're launching this year uh, with a handful of companies. And the second concept for me is that something what I've been. It's not going to happen 22, but it's going to happen. I think 23, 24, where um, this kind of money management world has to get like ridiculously simpler. Yeah. Um, so think about it, hard concepts, like today, what we take for granted, I think like Google maps is there's incredible amount of tech and data and everything baked into the simple solution where you have a map and, uh, and just a search bar, what gives you in whatever country you are in whatever language you're speaking, mm. whatever you want to go, like you want to go to the restaurant, you get the, like, is it a good restaurant or bad? Like how many people are there? And you show you shows you the way. You don't need to speak anything. You can operate on that. I think in the financial world is missing that today. It's like how do we get there that this makes sense for you? Like especially in the investment world, that you should it, it should be as simple as that. You press a couple of buttons and you have all the options and you can make a decision. So I think that has to happen. So I think we're building the infrastructure. We have been building infrastructure for a while, but like that next step has to happen as well. Yeah, I, no, I, I completely agree with you. Um, I wish it was going to be in 2022, but it might be uh, might be a few years after. But uh, I'm sure you'll be at the forefront of it. With regards to the, um, you talked about almost norm normalizing fintech alongside traditional banks. Do you think there will be? Look, we've seen some consolidation in the market already in in the wealth space. Do you think we'll see? And I've spoken about this before on another podcast. Do you think we'll see uh, traditional banks spinning out their own? technology focused versions like they did with neobanks or do you think that they will look to essentially purchase some of the more technological focused players in the market maybe <laughs> like that's uh that's a big question i think it's um it's incredibly tricky like the the banking organization usually works quite a bit different than a fintech organization like merging these together is really really hard job spinning one uh, of these solutions out from the bank is again a hard job yeah. But they have some things going on there, like the, the licensing view, the kind of the capitalization view. They have a lot of smart people and whatnot. So I think it's it's definitely easier for them to kind of buy a stake somewhere uh, and like work together with the uh, mm -hmm. kind of faster growing, more agile views. And like that could be really, really benefit, beneficial for both of them. I don't, I haven't seen any kind of good successes uh, on, on a market where 
they they spin out their own kind of new broker or bank and then it's going to be super successful like there's some shimmers of success but not really yeah mm. so i uh, i think these like kind of areas are don't really work together well yeah i hope that the um uh, yeah the normalization of 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 fintech alongside traditional banking doesn't happen through acquisitions <laughs> um i agree with you on that part but um yeah i think i think you're right in fact that the api economy embedded finance has to has to be there in a couple of years for it to be even remotely available to every user of these apps for it to become normalized if that makes sense yeah so like I think in Europe we are in a good position. There yeah. is uh, the situation is like it's it's not so, like it, it's easy to build a good product. Like yeah. the market is effectively broken. The products are really bad. Uh, the cost bases are off. Uh, the market is huge. So, like I think coming to this market, learning from the what the others are doing around the world, like it's actually pretty cool. And like this will happen now there's a question can europeans do something better than uh, our neighbors uh, like in the us or uh, china or whatnot absolutely i think we can build way more diversified uh, solutions there so think about it in a way that if you build a product and uh, in the us you have you still have this one currency effectively mm. one regulator like similar culture language like a lot of things are like in one place but in europe to be successful you need to build something what has like 27 weird countries in it where yeah, yeah. people speak differently uh, regulated differently and so on but if you're able to do that then why shouldn't you be able to go after all the other countries in the world so i think that's like the superpower of europe you can if you build the product here and you, it works in all these countries there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to expand to other countries because you you have built your company on the values that you understand these countries operate differently, people think differently, yeah. and it's not the easy thing to do. Yeah, yeah, and I, I completely agree with you. We're, we're all we're all keenly we're all keenly awaiting uh, to see what's next with with you and Lightyear. <laughs> Based on that, I uh, I'm sure we're, we're going to be seeing you in Europe very very soon. Martin, thank you very much for joining me today. It's been great speaking with you and learning more about yourself and Lightyear. Um, if people want to get in touch with you and Lightyear, what, what's the best way for people to reach out? You can write directly to me. My email is martin at golighter.com. Uh, you can go to our careers page, careers.golighter.com, uh, or you can just send us an email via support at Lightyear. Like, there's multiple ways. Like, We're happy to speak to other people, especially with the people when, when they want to uh, give their opinion how the investing should work. Perfect. Martin, thank you again for joining. Thank you for sharing all the information on you and Lightyear uh, and your future plans. Thank you very much. Thanks, Alex. You've been listening to the Payments Innovation Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe now on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Until next time.